Hello everyone, welcome back to the Two Point Podcast where our conversion rate is always 100%. I'm Craig and I'm joined by Nate. How are we doing today guys? And we're going to be doing some week 17 recaps. So we're going to be talking about all the games that did happen and kind of what happened in them. We'll start off with the Buffalo Bills and the Miami Dolphins. The Bills ended up winning 56-26. to They dominated the Dolphins in this one. Josh Allen played so good that he didn't even have to play the second half. He's definitely an MVP candidate this year. And then Isaiah McKenzie, he was awesome in this game. He is honestly like their fourth or fifth wide receiver, really, kind of gadget player. But he had two receiving touchdowns and a kick return touchdown as well. And that Bills defense, they played very well. I know Tua had a couple points against them towards the end of the game, but it's when the Bills defense was playing a bunch of backups. And honestly, they did rest some of their defensive players before the game anyway, so what they did is pretty impressive overall. Antonio Williams, undrafted rookie, running back, practice squad player. He got two garbage time touchdowns in this game and ran the ball pretty good. On the Dolphins' side, pretty rough day for Tua overall. Not too much you can say there. He had the three interceptions. Uh, one of them probably wasn't his fault, but the other two definitely were. And that Miami Dolphins defense, they were pretty much on their heels all day long. Yeah, for the most day, they were just kind of paying catch-up, which is something that you really haven't seen this Dolphins defense have to do this year. So usually the reason that the Dolphins win games is because of their defense. And uh, it's kind of been a running joke with you and me this year about how they're winning a lot of games that they shouldn't have won. And obviously that does not attest to, you know, how fantastic the Bills offense looked this week. So, I mean, they got Diggs obviously with the seven catches as well. And obviously he was efficient at three touchdowns before halftime for the most part. So... My, my issue with this uh, game was just wanting to see if the Dolphins could actually live up to the hype. I mean, Tua was not that great, even though obviously his stat line says 361 yards, which let's be real. When you have 58 uh, passing attempts, that's inevitably going to happen for the numbers. So on third down efficiency, they were only three for 14. So kind of a little sad that, you know, Fitzpatrick ended up having to be on the COVID list this week because I, I think that he would have given them a better shot. I mean, we could have had a, a definite shootout on our hands. He would have ended up in the game by halftime at least. For sure. This game went pretty much how I thought it was going to go. Yeah, I agree with you. I think you and I both are just, we both feel the exact same way about the Dolphins. I, I don't know what they're going to do at quarterback. If they're going to stick with Tua going into next year, I can see them doing that. They just really like him down there. But, I mean, you can't look at his play and say he's been efficient at all this year. Yeah, well, they got the number three pick in the draft. Thanks, Bill O'Brien. Right? <laughs> yep. So the next game we got is the Baltimore Ravens and the Cincinnati Bengals. And this was... The definition of a blowout, 38-3 to and the Ravens' favor. The Ravens' defense was pretty dominant in this one. Uh, if you're DK Metcalf, maybe you should take some notes of what dominant means. <laughs> Lamar Jackson, he was, pretty, he was pretty solid overall. He only threw the ball, I believe, 18 times in this one. But uh, J.K. Dobbins, Marquise Hollywood-Brown, they both had two touchdowns apiece. And the Ravens ran the ball 50. 54 times for 404 yards. That's a 7.5 yards per carry average. So that's pretty insane. Unfortunately for the Bengals defense, they could not stop the run. It was a bad day for Brandon Allen as well with his two picks and throwing, I believe, under 50 yards. But their running game did show some promise. That's very accurate. 
to be honest with you, uh, with me. Um, I just wanted to see the Ravens run the ball, and they essentially did that, like you said. So they were really efficient. I wanted to see the part of the Ravens that got them to this part of the season. I think they did that yesterday. The defense, though, they uh, they did really well for the most part about getting after the quarterback. So like you said, he had under 50 yards passing uh, on only 21 attempts, but they, you know they held their own. So it's definitely going to be interesting watching the Ravens going into the playoffs this year. Yes, sir. They'll definitely be a team to watch, especially if they can get out to some early leads since they can't come back in games. That's true. And that's kind of the, their kind of forte. They like to punch uh, heavy and quick um, and then obviously control the time of possession and just kind of grind you out with the run game. So, you know, with Edwards and Dobbins in that backfield, they've done a really good job uh, supporting one another and helping move the chains. And honestly, I, I kind of want to see Jackson open up his arm a little bit in the playoffs. He was, you know, slightly efficient, uh, obviously, in this game. But again, that's the uh, Bengals defense. So, I mean, they're designed to run. They're designed to grind you out. They wanted to get into these old slugfests, uh, the old school mentality of running the ball. So I'm excited about them in the next couple of weeks, see what they can do in the playoffs. Yep. Yeah, Mr. Tyler Huntley even got in a couple more reps at quarterback. So good to see him out there. <laughs> Practicing his true. kneel down. <laughs> hey, you know, when you're good at something, you got to stick with what you're good at. Uh, he played a little bit before the kneel downs, but uh, that's another thing too. <laughs> Next up, we got the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Cleveland Browns, and this was actually a close football game. And the Pittsburgh Steelers ended up losing 22-24. to They could not convert a two-point conversion towards the end to tie the game. Mason Rudolph was actually halfway decent in this game, which was a pleasant surprise. Uh, maybe the Browns' defense is just that bad. I don't know. Then, I don't know. I think they're a mess. But, yeah, I agree with you. Yeah, they actually played a lot more of their starters than I thought they would have. Um, on offense, it was pretty much everybody playing besides Big Ben. And then, obviously, Eric Ebron's on the COVID list, so he didn't play. But pretty much most of the offense played a good majority of the game besides those two. And I guess Marquise Pouncey, he was out ahead of time, too. Yeah, but their defense, they rested some guys. But you still saw Minka Fitzpatrick play on 100% of snaps. So they weren't really resting everybody kind of like I thought they would have. But maybe they were trying to knock the Browns out of the playoffs, you know. Whole division <laughs> thing there. Baker was kind of meh in this game, honestly. He was okay. Not very good, not very bad either. Uh, Nick Chubb had the one long run. Otherwise, their run game really didn't do too much. And then Olivia Vernon, the defensive end for Cleveland, he ruptured his Achilles. So he's going to be out for, you know, the rest of the year, playoffs, etc. Yeah, that defense definitely for the Browns. It's going to be... It's going to be a rough standing order coming into the playoffs. I feel like you're correct. I mean, the Steelers, they did a really good job of, uh, you know, kind of starting their the majority of their players in the game. And I thought that was kind of a an interesting approach because they've had issues with chemistry, specifically with like the wide receiver cores and the routes and the inability to be catching footballs. And then obviously the defense has just had issues with health and, and obviously the COVID list. It was good to kind of see them just try to play them this week just to see if they can gain that chemistry going into the playoffs. But I'll agree with you. Like Mason Rudolph was – Actually, not terrible. Obviously, you and I joked about it last week and his inability to just be able to make plays, but he was rather efficient, uh, minus the, uh, you know, one interception. So, And uh, I, Baker, he definitely cleaned up his play from the previous week, but he still had under two yard, 200 yards uh, passing. Uh, but obviously he had, you know, none of those red marks on his, uh, on his stats this week. No interceptions, no fumbles. So it was good to kind of see them try to maintain that chemistry going in. Obviously, this was a, a win and in kind of situation for them. So they obviously had to show up and perform. And obviously, it was a pretty good game. 
Yep, and these two teams, they will be playing again next week in the playoffs, and that game is going to be in Pittsburgh, so we'll see how that turns out. Should be a game that the Steelers win, though, since they almost won this one, and they were resting people, and they're going to be at home. Yep, it's going to be interesting to see how the chess match continues going into next week, see if they have any, you know, change of plans or, you know, lineups, uh, et cetera. So it's going to be definitely interesting to watch. Yes, sir. And the next one we got was a pretty close game. And that was the Minnesota Vikings, Detroit Lions. Vikings ended up winning 37-35. to We got some good old-fashioned quarterback play in this game. Both quarterbacks threw for three touchdowns. Alexander Madison filled in pretty nicely for Dalvin Cook. 95 yards on the ground, 50 yards in the air. Two touchdowns, one of each. Justin Jefferson set the rookie receiving record for receiving yards in the rookie season, obviously. Marvin Jones was pretty good in this game. 180 yards and two touchdowns as well. Yeah, it was just an NFC uh, good matchup like we thought it was going to be. I didn't think it was going to be this close. I'm happy to see that we got to see Stafford versus Cousins. You and I are pretty high on Madison, so it was nice to see him kind of support Cousins, just maintaining that that same systematic scheme that they usually run with Dalvin Cook, uh, trying to shoulder the load, allow Cousins to move the ball efficiently. I mean, he had over 400 yards uh, in passing, so it was good to see him. Our boy... uh, Mr. Young BB here got a, got himself a touchdown on two receptions, so it was pretty decent to see. And I just enjoyed watching Stafford again, potentially, you know, who knows in this offseason uh, if he's playing again in a different uniform next season. So I was just happy to see him come out and play, even though the front office seemed like they didn't want to allow it to happen. Uh, Swift had a rather efficient game, but overall he did a pretty decent job, you know, just kind of spreading the ball outside of Jones Jr. So it is what it is. It was a game, uh, a good, nice matchup to end the season for both these clubs. And old man Peterson got a 38-yard run. <laughs> it was true. I mean, obviously, he usually gets those one touchdowns a game, but good for him. Hey, he said he wants to come back to the Lions next year, so we'll see if it happens. Good good for him. I mean, obviously, he's maintained efficiency. He's the that'll do, for my opinion. But, I mean, him and Swift have done a really good job of kind of assisting each other this year. Yep. And the next game that we do have is the New York Jets and the New England Patriots. For a while, it looks like this was going to be a game. Jets had the lead for a little while, then it was 14-14, to and the Patriots ended up winning 28-14. to At the end of the day, Sam Darnold, he threw the two interceptions. That pretty much cost them the game. Their running game was actually pretty decent. I think they averaged 4.4 yards per carry. Not bad at all. Obviously, the Patriots have a pretty rough run defense. Denzel Mims left this game with a concussion. And then Chris Herndon, the tight end, actually did something for once. He is a guy that has been hyped up in the past by a lot, a lot of people going into the season, especially for fantasy like the last couple years, and he really hasn't produced. So hats off to him for doing something for once. And then Cam Newton, he put on a showcase. He's trying to show teams that he can do something, I guess. Uh, But he had four touchdowns in this game, three passing. He caught a touchdown from Jacoby Myers. And then Sony Michelle, he was pretty solid in this game on the ground and he did have 60 yards receiving and a receiving touchdown as well chase winovich led the defense aside he had two sacks in this game he is their best edge rusher that they have right now but that defense does need some help yeah for me in this game it was just quarterback play like you said sam darnold had a sam darnold game he did a poor job obviously auditioning in his last uh, attempt to do so so let's see what they do in the draft this year or if he's still in the team next year i have no idea what's going to go on with this team obviously looking for a new head coach so and for the Patriots side, you know, Jacoby Myers, a quarterback, did really well. You know, he was one for one, obviously had the touchdown pass for 19 yards. So hats off to their quarterback uh, of the season. So 
Um, no, just kidding. <laughs> Cam Newton had a decent week auditioning for teams, so I agree with you. I mean, he only got sacked three times. He was efficient in the run game, and, you know, he had actually had decent yards, and he took care of the ball. So I was rather impressed with his showing yesterday. Hey, for what it's worth, Jacoby Myers, he's got a better passing rating than Cam Newton this year. That's 100% true. Kind of helps when you go two for two and throw two touchdowns, so. Exactly. You know, so they, you don't want to include that information, of course. You don't, We want to just make it look sound as best as you can, you know. But, I mean, Jacoby Myers is obviously going to be a weapon uh, for this team moving forward. But I feel like both of these uh, seats, you know, are kind of up for grabs uh, for the quarterback position for these teams next year. So it's going to be interesting to see how these uh, quarterbacks are obviously analyzed going into the offseason and where they end up as well. Oh, another thing was, too, is uh, Demir Bird, he left the game with an injury. I can't remember what it was. But Nikhil Harry, he played on, I believe, 89% of snaps in this game, and he still didn't do jack crap. Uh, First-round bust. That's the one thing Bill Belichick hasn't been able to do is draft wide receivers. Yeah, he does weird things when he looks for things in the draft, obviously with his linemen, his defensive linemen, um, how they sway their hips, you know, as a corner. So, obviously, Bill has obviously achieved his greatness, has specific um, style of play that he likes. So, I agree with you. I think that's something that he still needs to figure out. Mm-hmm. And our next game is the Dallas Cowboys and the New York Giants. This game almost mattered. <laughs> but with that being said, the Giants ended up winning 23-19. to We saw Andy Dalton's mobility. That's kind of nice, actually. But he had over 40 yards rushing in this game. They did have a key, like, fourth and inches. They faked it to Zeke. And everybody thought he had the ball, and they wouldn't tackle him. Then all of a sudden, you got Andy Dalton just running around the corner for about six yards. So <laughs> he's he's that sneaky little gingerbread man. But overall, Dallas's offense was kept in check for the most part. You know, all three of their wide receivers they were in the forty yard, forty to fifty yard range. Well, I mean, Dalton Schultz had seventy yards, but Zeke didn't do much. He got banged up as well. Pollard didn't do too much either. Not a great day for Dallas overall. They allowed six sacks, and three of them were to Leonard Williams, former first-round pick of the Jets. <laughs> Unfortunately, I started Demarcus Lawrence over Leonard Williams in our Dynasty League championships, so I picked I'm the wrong guy. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. On the Giants' side, Sterling Shepard was awesome in this game. Honestly, there's not too much else you can really say on this game. Mike McCarthy was kind of a dummy and didn't challenge a catch, in quotation mark, by uh, Dante Pettis. That probably would have knocked the Giants out of field goal range. They still would have been down 19-20, to 20, but maybe Dandy Dalton doesn't force the throw in the end zone towards the end of the game when they need a touchdown. Maybe they kick the field goal and win. If you listen to Skip Bayless, then he'd be like, they would have won for sure. But, you know... <laughs> They outscored the Giants 10-3 to in the second half or whatever. We dominated them in the second half. Well, that's why they played two halves, Skip. Right. No kidding. Honestly, this game just was exactly what we thought it was. This division's really rough this year, obviously due to injury. But, I mean, with the Giants, you get what you get with the Giants right now. You know, Jones had a Daniel Jones game. So it's worth noting that he had, uh, you know, over nine yards uh, per attempt uh, for his passing, which is actually pretty efficient. Um, and Gallman looked all right. They only gave him, you know, 11 uh, touches for 65 yards. And like you said, everything just kind of went to Shepard. I was really impressed, though, by the Giants' defense. Uh, six sacks, nine quarterback hits, the one interception, obviously. They did really decent on uh, on defense to allow them to obviously maintain a win in this. So 
And the Cowboys did what the Cowboys do, you know, they just kind of leave you smiling and unsatisfied. Like, once they get healthy next year, they're going to be a different team. If you look at the portion of the season where Dak was in with McCarthy's offense, he was extremely efficient. And uh, I'm kind of excited to see if they, how he looks like after coming, see when he comes back next year. So, game potential game of the week, you know, with the Eagles, which we'll talk about later, pretty much punting the game, uh, left all Giants fans up in New York uh, rather upset, to be honest with you. Unsatisfied. Unsatisfied. Yeah. You, we can talk all day about McCarthy, too, but. I think he did a really good job at the beginning of the season having a decent offensive-minded playbook to maintain efficiency in his offense. But obviously, that you ha- it's two phases of the game. Mike Nolan is not the answer there for a defensive coordinator. We've kind of harped on him all year. But McCarthy's been okay. Colin Moore did a fantastic job as offensive coordinator that we had this year. So, I mean, hey, it is what it is. Yep. And honestly, this was a good revenge game for Jason Garrett as the offensive coordinator for the Giants. There's been a lot of people out there that says he hasn't called. They're knocking him as an offensive coordinator, but he's made a lot of great calls this year. I know your team's just not that good. Like, you can only do so much with what you're given, but, you know, he's had a lot of pretty creative plays. I know some of his stuff may get a little bit repetitive at times, but he's kind of thinking outside the box, especially compared to what he's done in the past. Yeah, I completely agree. He was definitely an addition to, to this complete team, to be honest with you, his coaching mentality, not just being as an offensive-minded coordinator. He can help, help see defensive issues going forward, you know, so I agree with you. He's done a rather efficient job with what he's had to work with this year. Yep, it'll be really interesting to see uh, how their offense looks next year, kind of getting Saquon back, if they bring in a wide receiver, if they kind of bolster up that offensive line, can Daniel Jones make the leap from year two to year three? We've seen some quarterbacks make a pretty big leap from year two to year three. Look at Josh Allen, even. Exactly. But we'll get more to the next game, and that was the Falcons and the Buccaneers. The Buccaneers ended up winning 44-27. to Honestly, Tampa got out big in this game early. Atlanta kind of came back, and then they just died like they always do. Yeah, pretty much, to be honest with you. I was going to ask how you thought about Tom Brady in this game as opposed to last week. Because he came out swinging last week as opposed to this week. He came out swinging in this game, too. Yep. He's pretty kind sad. Of excited to see him going to playoffs. 399 <laughs> yards, one short of 400. I believe he got his incentive bonus, which if you guys don't know, if he was top five in passing yards or something like that, then he got an extra whatever, however much it is. But I think he got there. Atlanta, the big thing for them, they had two fumbles that kind of cost them, and they had some defensive lapses. Pretty simple there. Uh, Brian Hill actually had a pretty efficient day. I think he had a, what, 62-yard run? For Tampa's side, you know, you had Godwin and Antonio Brown. They both had two touchdowns apiece. But the big news was Mike Evans, he hyperextended his knee trying to make a catch in the end zone. He left the game. Hopefully he's able to play for the playoffs because, you know, he is a big piece of their team. He's just been banged up all year, and he's finally healthy for like two games, and then, of course, he gets kind of banged up again. Yeah, it's just really unfortunate. But, you know, this guy is one of the most talented wide receivers that we have seen in our league in quite some time. He's got seven straight years of 1,000 receiving yards to start his career, which nobody else in NFL history has ever done. So look out, Jerry Rice. <laughs> Yeah, he's definitely going to be a potential miss if he's not ready to go. But, I mean, 
you know, Brown, like you said, he, he's kind of stepped into that role and allowed them to get a lot of those targets and be rather efficient uh, and have good hands, obviously, when it mattered in the red zone. So Brady did what Brady's going to do. I think now that Belichick's out of the question, the focus is back on him, see how far he can make a, make a run in the playoffs this year. Is obviously, historically, he's done fantastic in. So um, the Buccaneers that just on the defensive side of the ball are just going to be doing what they needed to do all year, you know, limit the rush, be really efficient linebackers, and then obviously don't get bit deep. If this team has an issue in the playoffs, it's going to be in that secondary. So their playoffs are just kind of, like we said, solidified that entire conversation. Uh, the Falcons, they kind of just ended their season short, just like they uh, like they started it, obviously, with no coach. Uh, going into this next season, it's going to be interesting to see who fills that position. And you know, having the number four overall pick is going to help solidify moving forward what they do as well. Um, it's going to be interesting to see if they tr- the new coaching staff wants to maintain a future with Matt Ryan or if they want to you know, take the opportunity in this draft to uh, – maybe draft their quarterback of the future. Yeah, they have a lot of ways that they could go with that pick, even including trading back. We can kind of discuss a lot of things about the NFL draft in the future, though. But I think they got a couple different options they can go with that head coach, too, and it'll be real interesting to see who they pick, whether they keep Raheem Morris. I think Brandon Staley, the Rams defensive coordinator, would be a very good guy for them as well. Yeah, I mean, they definitely have a lot of playmakers that uh, on the offensive side of the ball. So, I mean, whether, you know, it's just like Ridley or even having Jones or you know, even Gage is one of my favorite guys as well. I mean, they have a decent running back court for the most part. I don't think Todd Gurley obviously still off the page this season. So, I mean, it's going to be interesting to see how they uh, they build that offensive side of the ball, kind of solidify those pieces and adjust what they've been doing. You know, they have looked better on the defensive side of the ball as the season progressed, especially after Quinn was fired. But, I mean, they, they definitely have some work cut out for them. Yes, sir. Definitely need another pass rusher on that side of the ball for sure, though. But uh, we'll get over to the next one, and that is uh, your bragging game of the week. I don't think I need to brag at all. Packers ended up winning 35-16 to over the Bears. This game was pretty close at one point. Honestly, the Bears were driving. And Mooney fumbled the ball. If he didn't fumble, they could have took the lead with a touchdown. Kind of went downhill from there from what I kind of gathered from the game. I didn't watch the game myself personally. Aaron Rodgers, you know, he was pretty efficient once again. Just trying to keep that MVP pace up, I guess you can call it. Packers offense kind of was held in check otherwise. I mean, you got the 35 points, but the yardage really wasn't there. So a little bit of credit to the Bears defense, but at the same time, you know, they were really missing some of them cornerbacks that they had hurt. Like I said, Daryl Mooney, he was pretty solid in this game. I believe he had 11 catches. He did have that fumble. He did leave with the ankle injury. Old Mr. Biscuit. Do you know who that is? Nope. I'm assuming you were talking about Trubisky, but... Yeah, that's his nickname, apparently. Uh, He was pretty mediocre in this game. (laughs) Uh, He had the one interception. Just really short dink and dunk passes by what it looks like. And then the Packers were able to shut down Allen Robinson, so that was definitely a big factor. Yeah, for sure. Packers just did what they needed to do in this game. It's a good NFC North matchup. Packers needed to win, and they came out and won the game. They got, obviously, the number one seed going into playoffs next week. Uh, So, obviously, they'll have that... uh, my first round by, but honestly, what it came down to is exactly what I thought the Bears were going to do. The same thing they've been doing to us for the last pretty much ten years, I would say, against Aaron Rodgers as quarterback, is they just they want to maintain time of possession, keep the offensive off the field. I actually stopped uh, counting after sixty plays. So to be honest with you, it's just crazy knowing that they could uh, they could run that many plays on offense. They average less than four yards uh, per play for the most part. 
and they they literally had the ball 10 more minutes than, than the Packers offense. So I felt like Aaron Rodgers just wanted to prove a point, and so he obviously came out and was efficient. Uh, it was 19 for 24, had his four touchdowns. He is just on pace to have one of his – one of his best seasons on record, to be honest with you. That that beautiful like dime that he threw to MVS in stride, uh, obviously for that long touchdown, was was fantastic. But outside of that, even like Adams was six for six. I mean, but for the most part, like Jones, you know, and Williams, they did they were efficient in the run. Like the offense did what they needed to do, and the defense did exactly what they needed to do. So I'm just really excited that Green Bay came out and got the the number one seed that they needed for the playoffs. This is something they haven't had in previous years. So honestly. They did what they needed to do. The Bears obviously made the playoffs as well with the Cardinals' loss. So, I mean, this game was – it had value, but at the end of the day, it really didn't. Yep. We, we got, got the Minnesota. Raiders and the Broncos. So, on the Raiders' side, Derek Carr, you know, he had the yardage, but he had two interceptions in this game. And they had four turnovers overall. So, a little bit of hats off to Denver defense. They kind of stepped up a little bit this week. They still didn't win the game, but four turnovers is nothing to – Schmuck at, really. Honestly, if the Raiders didn't have those four turnovers, they would have had a lot easier time winning this game. Josh Jacobs was kind of shit, honestly, until the end of the game. Then he got two touchdowns, but before that, he was not very good at all. Drew Locke looked pretty decent in this one. Jerry, Judy, whatever. I don't even know if you want to give him credit. Uh, More credit goes to the Las Vegas Raiders defense for letting him get a 92-yard touchdown because they forgot how to play cover, too. And then, was it like a 20-yard pass originally? Yeah, it was like a 20-yard in route, right? But he got behind the linebackers, but then, like, none of the safeties, like, were there. Like, they just didn't play cover two, right? So, But Tim Patrick hurt his foot in this one, so hopefully he's able to get back healthy for next year. Um, I can't remember if he's a free agent or not, but if he is, he could definitely make some money. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you hit pretty much everything on the head with this one. Is the game we thought it was going to be? We thought the, I believe we both thought the Raiders were going to win this game. Yep. Uh, yes, we both we both thought that the Raiders were going to win this game, and so um, this game shouldn't have been as close as it was. But you know, win by a two point conversion. You know, I give them style points. Yes, sir. And their next game is Jacksonville Jaguars and the Indianapolis Colts. The Colts end up winning twenty eight to fourteen. Honestly, this is a game that the Colts should have won real easy. They kind of took their foot off the gas for a little bit, so they kind of coasted a little bit, which uh, we all know Nate doesn't like. I hate it. I hate uh, it. <laughs> I hear play it. Unfortunately, Jonathan Taylor had a career day in this game, over 250 yards rushing, two touchdowns. That also cost me our Dynasty League uh, championship. They had six sacks on Jacksonville, so that was a big deal. Jaguars side, LaVisca Chanel, he looked pretty good in this one. Had two touchdowns. They actually won the turnover battle 2-1, to one, but they still lost the game. And Dari Agumbe-Wale, he played on 97% of snaps in this game at running back. So. Honestly, for this game, for the Colts, for me, was the only thing I was really wanting to pay attention to. In my opinion, the Jags kind of checked out several weeks ago, so they've just been kind of existing, if that makes sense. Even though defense had zero sacks, they really had one quarterback hit. Obviously, they had the interception, but... They were just there, if that makes sense. So, really, I just want to analyze the Colts' play and how efficient they were about beating a team they should in the last week in the season, going obviously needing to win this game going into the playoffs. So, I mean, Rivers obviously didn't need to use his arm as much. I only had 164 yards for passing, but in reality, when you have, you know, Taylor having a career day with 253 yards, you don't really need to pass the ball as much. So, the Colts' defense looked like they had pretty good chemistry. They got after Lennon as much as they could, had six sets, 11 quarterback kicks, so... 
I think they're ready. There was a good warm-up game for them going into the playoffs this week. Yep. So our next game is the Los Angeles Chargers, Kansas City Chiefs. Chargers end up winning 38-21. to Take note, Steelers, this is how you rest your players. <laughs> so Kansas City, they pretty much rested everyone. Uh, Darwin Thompson, he actually had a pretty efficient game. He had two touchdowns, was pretty involved in the passing game. Chad Henney didn't play that bad, honestly. Two touchdowns, really efficient. Didn't ha- have any big chunk plays or anything like that, but it is what it is. Justin Herbert, he was solid in this game. He was playing against the backup defense, though, so can't say too much there. Mike Williams, he did have a very efficient game as well. I believe over 100 yards and a touchdown. Austin Eckler did lead this game with a concussion. Which was really unfortunate because Eckler was pretty much his offense for the most part. Even though his you know rushing attempts really weren't there, he still had some targets and had the touchdown. So I honestly really like how he gels with this offense, but Herbert's going to have an opportunity to play under a new coaching staff next year. So maybe we'll see uh, how efficient the pieces around him are going to be moving forward. But Chiefs, just like you said, enjoying a two-week rest going into the playoffs. So, I mean, even then, their defense was still rather efficient. They had three sacks and five quarterback hits. So, I mean, good good for them. I uh, look forward to seeing them in the next couple of weeks. But nice job as well for Chad Henney. He had a good backup role as well, you know, just being rather efficient. So there wasn't really much to say on this game. Uh, I think we both had the charges for this game as well. We kind of saw this going this direction, so it was good to see this offense be at least efficient against the team they should have been. Yep, and hopefully uh, they get a defensive head coach in to kind of fix up that defense that they've had problems with this year. I know they had a lot of injuries and everything too, though. Correct. It's going to see. It's going to be good to see them get healthy next year. Kind of give some more pieces to solidify just a better unit because their defense was not the best this year for sure. Yep. So our next game is the Arizona Cardinals and the Los Angeles Rams. The Rams ended up winning eighteen to seven in this one. Tyler Murray, he hurt, he banged up his ankle early in this game, was taken out of it, came back in late, kind of tried to come back, but just couldn't do it. Cardinals, you know, this is the game they needed to win, and they just kind of played like poop, honestly. There's no way to beat around the bush. The Rams, you know, they were playing with backup quarterback, banged up running backs, no Cooper Cup. But, uh, John Wolford made his first career start at quarterback for the Rams. His first career NFL attempt was actually an interception. Kind of cleaned it up a little bit after that, you know, play well enough to win. He actually ran for 56 rushing yards. Didn't know he was that mobile. Uh, Cam Akers played in this game. He's been, He had that high ankle. I don't think they should have played him in this game, but, you know, because even if they lost this game, they stood out of the playoffs. I think they would have been better off resting him. He wasn't efficient at all when he was in the game, so probably would have been better without him. Give credit to that defense because, you know, they, they did what they needed to do. Even if they gave up a touchdown to Chris Strebler. Yeah. Honestly, I was just disappointed in the Cardinals, to to be honest with you. Like, it's always that next man up kind of mentality. Obviously, their offense is not the same without Murray in it. It's kind of built around that. So, either way, you got to get the, get the ball into the playmaker's hands. I mean, Drake only had, you know, 10 touches for 36 yards. Obviously, they were kind of trying to, like, catch up. The defense did an okay job of trying to keep them into the game. I mean, they did technically hold the Rams to 18 points, but... With you know the quarterback out, that's kind of a kind of an issue with being maintaining that chemistry and being able to be efficient. So, I mean, I was actually pleasantly surprised by Wolford's play as well. 
Um, the rushing yards was kind of nice. You didn't see that in the XFL, so it was kind of interesting uh, to see how that obviously jived with this offense. I know that I heard talks about this morning about him potentially starting next week, but Goff was saying that he was ready, but he just didn't know how efficient he was going to be with obviously just having uh, that operation done with his hands. So the Rams did what they needed to do to win this game. It was kind of unfortunate because, like I said, this was only one of the two games I got wrong this week uh, in my selection. So. Yes, sir. I think we both picked the Cardinals, too, anyways. But I don't know. Do you, do you see, like, at the end of the game, too, it was, like, third and 18, and they're trying to run, like, speed option with Kyler Murray with a bum ankle? Yeah, it was definitely weird. That game, like, we saw how inefficient he was when he was having the injury earlier in the year, and it was weird seeing them lean on to his strengths when he was essentially down a leg. So I don't I don't understand the approach. Obviously, I like the coaching staff there. I've spoke very highly of them in the past this year, but that was a, a weird decision on in my part, to be honest with you. Yeah. Once again, I'll, I'll stand on it. I, Cliff Kingsbury is not a good head coach. There's a reason he got fired yeah. at Texas Tech. There's a reason he went. He had a, like a 500 record with even Patrick Mahomes at Texas Tech. So I'm not yeah. surprised by this at all. I just like the and like you and I have talked about this in the past. Personally, with me, I like his theorizing in his mentality towards how an offense should be ran obviously it's i like the chip kelly mentality like of maintaining just a quick hitting offense having a lot of weapons playing good sound defense and just kind of wearing the other team out but obviously it's been proven that it's obviously not a very efficient style of offense so anytime uh, a coaching staff tries to implement it i'm always intrigued by their approach to it yeah it's just a offensive system that doesn't last for a full year either typically and another thing that was kind of interesting in this game is i don't know what andy isabella did to get in the doghouse with cliff kingsbury and company but he's been in the doghouse you know he's a second round pick a year ago fitzgerald didn't play in this game christian kirk didn't play in this game and trent sherfield who's like punt returner played 77 percent of snaps and isabella played six percent of snaps so uh, he's been in the doghouse lately. He's been a healthy scratch lately, so I don't know what the heck he did, but it's definitely not looking like a second-round pick. For sure. But then we'll move over to Seattle and San Francisco. Seahawks ended up coming back to win 26-23. to They scored 20 points in the fourth quarter, so Russell Wilson was waiting until the last minute, apparently, to win the game. Uh, Tyler Lockett had two touchdowns in this game. DK was not dominant at all. He only had three catches for 21 yards. Jason Verrett shut you down, boy. And, Truth. you know, Richard Sherman didn't play in this game. Kawan Williams didn't play in this game. That probably hurt them later in the game, especially with Lockett playing in the slot. But C.J. Beathard, he's okay at quarterback. He had a fumble late in the game that probably ended up costing them the game. Jeff Wilson Jr., two more touchdowns. <laughs> you know, he, he was good once again, honestly. Especially when everybody knows you're pretty much going to run the ball because Sunshine ain't no threat. That's true. He's back up for a reason. It'd be real interesting to see how they approach the running back position going forward next year. It sounds like they like Jeff Wilson Jr. a lot. Mostert's going to be back as well. Uh, but Tevin Coleman, Jerick McKinnon, they're both free agents. So you could see Wilson and Mostert splitting the show next year. And I would not be surprised if Wilson takes over the job full time. I know everybody was so high on Mostert coming in this year. Yeah, he, he's super fast. And everybody's like, I don't know how the heck he wasn't drafted and stuff. Yeah, well, he played wide receiver for three years at Purdue. That's what, And then he played one year running back, ran for like 600 yards. That's why he wasn't drafted. Yeah. 
Honestly, um, the only thing that I really have for notarizing on, on this game is uh, obviously Russell Wilson with 22 seconds left, making a pass so that one of his wide receivers can get his uh, $100,000 bonus on the season. So, I mean, it hats off to him for his class. I found that to be rather intriguing. But, yeah, like you said, most of this game came in the fourth quarter. Wilson just did Wilson things. It was good to see, a, you know, Lockett maintain a dominant performance, obviously getting 12 for 14 for 90 yards with those two touchdowns, which were decent catches. But I'm interested more or less to, to see how the 49ers are going to bounce back next season. Obviously, they had a lot of issues with injuries this year. So it's going to be interesting to see how that team uh, rebuilds going next year. But I agree with you. Wilson Jr. is amazing. I think that they should definitely uh, – Look at at least a percentage of the carries going towards him next year. Yep. But we'll move on to the next one, and this was a, essentially a blowout as well. New Orleans Saints ended up winning 33-7 to against the Panthers. The Saints pretty much just did what they needed to do on offense. They were pretty efficient with Drew Brees and company. You know, and them short dump-off passes, feeding Emmanuel Sanders, feeding Jared Cook. Uh, Ty Montgomery filled in all right at running back. He had a couple good runs. Got over 100 yards. Wasn't really involved in the receiving game, which was kind of surprising. On the Panthers' side, Teddy Bridgewater, he was bad. I believe I read one thing that said he got hurt, but some people said he got benched. Either way, he wasn't good. P.J. Walker came in, too. He threw just as many picks. They threw five (laughs) interceptions in total. One thing that was kind of interesting to me is Curtis Samuel didn't play too much out of the backfield, it looks like, in this game, especially with the running backs that were missing. Rodney Smith had an okay day. Tommy Stevens even got in a couple times. I think he had, what, four carries for like 24 yards or something like that. He played quarterback at Penn State and Mississippi State. The Saints actually drafted him, kind of molded him into the next Taysom Hill, and then the Panthers kind of sniped him off their practice squad. Yep, honestly, in this game for me, like you said, the the Saints just did what they needed to do. The defense was was actually really efficient. Three sacks, you know, they get the quarterback six times. Had those amazing five interceptions. They uh, they just were rather efficient. And I think this was again like a warm up game going into the playoffs for them. But for me, the Panthers they just need to sound the alarm right now and figure out this quarterback situation. You can't just you know have that many turnovers and have any success in the NFL. No wonder the I kind of feel bad, obviously, with the health injuries uh, with the Panthers' defense this year. Being healthy, they played a lot more efficient. But even if they were playing as efficient as they have been down the stretch, they wouldn't have been able to keep this this offense even in the game for the most part. So, honestly, this game is exactly what we thought it was going to be. The Saints came out swinging. The Saints needed to win this game. They needed to win this game going into the playoffs just to kind of maintain some culpability. So, hats off to that Saints club. And, uh, obviously, I'm excited to see what happens with this Panthers uh, team moving forward. Yep, definitely a quarterback. DJ Moore was over 100 yards once again, and he only had five catches. Yeah, and they have a lot of weapons. I mean, you know, Curtis Samuel and DJ Moore both. Like, they're both amazing players. It's just when you have no support at quarterback, and this has been throughout the entire season even, like Bridgewater's averaged less than 200, around 200 yards passing, I would say, uh, throughout the entire year. So, I mean, if those are your stats, you better have, you know, eye-popping ability from your running back, and they obviously just don't have that, obviously, with Christian McCaffrey being out this year. But even like P.J. Walker, I'm sorry, excuse me, even Smith with the 10 uh, the ten rushing attempts with 40 yards, you know, I mean, that's still average. So it's going to be interesting to see how this team molds and uh, after being obviously getting healthy in the offseason and see if they want to still go with Bridgewater next year. Get moved over to the next game, and I'm going to cry. Yeah, I'm sorry, because I'm going to talk about this game a lot, so I am sorry, Craig. <laughs> Texans ended up losing 38-41 to to the Titans. Deshaun Watson still playing like an MVP. Just give this man the MVP. Like Honestly, I'm greedy on that. 
100%. Just because you can't win an MVP on a losing team, but, you know, politics. You know, without him, they wouldn't have won a single game unless Jacksonville was actively trying to tank. Because A.J. McCarron is not good. He did complete a pass on a fake punt today, though, or yesterday. That's fantastic. Deshaun Watson, he was great once again. I know he did have one interception, but what quarterback doesn't have an interception every once in a while? He's barely had any this year. He's got like two in the last ten games or whatever anyways, so. Uh, David Johnson, he was pretty solid once again. Where you been at all year, buddy? Injured. Last three games, he's been all right. That defense, they ended up blowing the game twice. Tyrell Adams dropped an interception in the end zone. Then they kicked the field goal to tie the game. Then they forgot how to play cover three prevent and just let A.J. Brown go right down the middle of the field. Set up the field goal. And Sam Sloman, the kicker, the rookie kicker, that was already cut by the Rams earlier this year. That's not very good. Hits the upright and boinks it in. You can't even make this crap up. Like, like I said, like I said on that defense. Like honestly, it's the two defensive linemen. You know, JJ Watt, Carlos Watkins. They both played well once again, but nobody else shows up. Like, apparently, Carlos Watkins is the only one that listens to JJ Watt because. He, he had a series of back-to-back plays, though, Carlos Watkins did. You know, he got a tackle for a loss, and he got a sack. I really hope this, they keep this kid around because, you know, he is a good defensive lineman at Clemson, kind of really underrated. I don't I don't even remember if he was drafted. He might have been undrafted, but he's just a guy that plays hard, play, plays well, especially in the scheme that he's given. And, you know, he makes two great plays in a row, and then they just give up, they give up like a 13-yard pass on third and 12 or whatever it was. It's just like... It's hard. And Derrick Henry, you know, is Derrick Henry. He had 250 yards rushing because he was playing the Texans. And every time he plays the Texans, he gets 200 yards rushing. So, yeah. And, like, the second touchdown he scored was just too easy. Like, just ran right around the corner and nobody was there. It's like, I know the Texans supposedly love Anthony Weaver as a defensive coordinator. I know you don't have the most talent in the world, but, like, your defense sucks like you can't like you can't even scheme things up right like there's always somebody that's lost in coverage like part of it's on the players but part of it's on you in the scheme putting people in the right place too because you see different defensive coordinators you see a robert sal in san francisco literally lost half his defense and they're still he still got guys out there playing for their job putting them in the right position to make plays like you gotta step up at some point yeah honestly i Obviously, as an NFL watcher just uh, that enjoys games, I thought this was an amazing game to watch just as a normal fan. And I think kind of I, – I understand your frustration through the defense because they have been not that great throughout the season. But their stats actually were better than they've been in the last few weeks. I mean, they had two sacks and they had eight quarterback hits. Only two of those, obviously, rushes were, were by J.J. White himself. I mean, they had two fumbles on Derrick Henry, only one of those that he eventually lost. But, I mean – even you've given credit to the Tennessee offense uh, in the past years. But, I mean, their defense obviously hasn't done a really good job supporting them. I thought they did rather well this week. But Tannehill did what Tannehill normally does. You know, he had 216 yards passing and a touchdown. He obviously had the two rushing ones, which that one, uh, obviously, in the last few minutes of the game was clutch for them to come back for the win. And Derrick Henry just ran all over your boys like we, we knew they were going to. But, I mean, Derrick Henry's going to get his touches against the defense as poor as theirs has been playing. But but overall, I mean, against regular defenses, if 
if the other offense obviously gets out ahead, it's really hard to keep Henry in the game, you know, and maintain off of him. But, I mean, even the way A.J. Brown was playing yesterday, it was like your defensive secondary didn't exist. So I think they did a decent job up front compared to previous weeks. But overall, like, I agree with you. The Texans played rather poor on defense. And only Watson can do so much, you know, to put you guys in a chance to win. So whatever got coaching staff does come into this team next year. I know they have some um, front office issues when it comes to contracts and players and dead cap issue uh, space. Obviously not a lot of uh, draft picks to build off of with. So, I mean, it's obviously a front office headache, but you can't deny the talent that's that some of the positions that you have there. I mean, Brandon Cooks um, and it just just Watson and, and Watt himself is worth coming down there to Houston to, to fill that vacancy position. But honestly, as an NFL fan, like I said, this was like, potentially a game of the week for me. He definitely makes it interesting for a head coach. You know, you got arguably the best quarterback in the league. I know some people will say Patrick mm-hmm. Mahomes is, but you put Patrick Mahomes mm-hmm. on this team, I don't think he does the same thing that Watson's can Watson's been able to do. But different situations and everything, it's hard to compare. But it's true. It's hard to deny the talent that's there. And if you can just get something Anything at all, just built. If you can get an offensive line, if you can get a competent defense, you're going to win a lot of football games. Yeah, they're definitely going to have their hands full for sure. But you got to, you can't deny those are great pieces to have. And I agree with you. Watson is one of the most underrated uh, quarterbacks in the league, and it's just because he doesn't have the pieces around him stepping up and being able to play to his ability week in and week out. And obviously the the departure of uh, Bill O'Brien, thank God, is going to sit only be the highlight of this year. To be honest with you. Yeah, and honestly, if you look at it, we lost to the Titans in overtime, lost to the Titans at last second here, lost to the Colts twice on last second. They're like one play away from each of those games from being undefeated in the division, and that would put you at 8-8. Eight and eight. You blew it versus Pittsburgh early in the year, kind of blew it versus the Vikings early in the year. They're only a couple plays away from being a good team, and if they had a halfway competent defense, they'd be all right. I agree with you, and I and I think that your justification for the obviously the coaching staffs that you've decided that would be best to fill the position, going defensive minded would be a benefit for this offense, uh, for this team moving forward in the future. You just need somebody to come in that can rally the team, and not do what Bill O'Brien did at the end of the day. Yeah, I think all the people that come off of that Bill Belichick coaching staff just don't know how to apply that coaching technique. I think I sent this to you earlier in the year, you know, all the staff that come off of that want to have the um, the authority and the respect that they get from, you know, Bill's 20 plus years uh, of being a successful coach without putting in 20 years of the work that it took Bill to get to that respect. And I feel like this team, unfortunately, is going to be the poster child moving forward for GMs and owners on looking for coaching staff on things to avoid in a coaching staff and, and you know, things to apply when you're looking to build your franchise moving forward. Yep. We'll get moved to our next game, though, and that was what was supposed to be an interesting game, Doug Peterson. I think he missed the memo. Uh, so the Washington football team ended up winning 20-14 to 14 in this one. The only good thing you can say about the Eagles is they covered the spread because <laughs> it was 6.5 in this game. I uh, can't say too much about it if you guys didn't watch this game. Just go on some type of form of social media and you'll understand. Because the Eagles essentially tanked this game. They held out a lot of big players. 
Jalen Hurts was still playing. You know, he had two rushing touchdowns. I know he did throw an interception early. It wasn't the best game in the world for him, but he was going up against a good defense. And then they took him out in, like, the, the end of the third quarter, beginning of the fourth quarter for Nate Sudfield. And Peterson's logic was they wanted to get him reps if they had the chance. Well, Sudfield's a 28-year-old guy out of Indiana. We already know he sucks. So why the heck are you putting him in the game unless you're tanking? So obviously they were tanking. No ifs, ands, or but about it. And apparently they were afraid Jalen Hurst might actually win them the game. You know, the game was 17-14. to 14. Fourth and goal on the four-yard line. Peterson goes for it instead of taking the tie, getting the game in a tie. Just, just bad coaching. You know, he made a lot of terrible play calls in this game. It's pretty obvious he wasn't trying to win the game. Whether or not that was his orders, well, it remains to be seen. Yeah, I just I don't understand what he was thinking that game beyond this with you, besides the fact that, you know, they move up three positions in draft order. But other than that, like, I agree with you. I don't think he did what he could to put this, uh, quote-unquote, best chance for the team to succeed, unquote, in this game. I don't see him applied it at all. Definitely a Trump supporter. <laughs> I, uh, I 100% agree with you on that one. It's just making the Eagles great again. Uh, you and I have been harsh on him all year. Just the way the, the Wentz situation kind of played out. Obviously, we've had conversations in the past about that situation between the two of them. For some reason, I don't know if they're wanting to keep into Wentz into next year. I have no idea. That's going to be something that's going to be need to pay attention to. But they definitely have pieces. It was just they kind of punted this game, to be honest with you. But you can't take away what Washington's done. I mean, even as a season as a whole, I'm rather, you know, it's it's notable worth acknowledging the the battles that obviously Alex Smith and Ron Rivera had in this season. And it was good to see them kind of come out and win a game that they needed to win um, to make it into the playoffs. So, I mean, you got to give them credit where credit's due. They have a decent run game with Gibson. They have great uh, wide receivers. I mean, it's going to be interesting to see if they get him uh, a person to go with, with McLaurin or, and even Logan Thomas if, if he's on the team next year. So I really like this Washington defense for the most part. Um, I've, it's been a joy watching them throughout the stretch here. So, I mean, you got to give credit where credit's due, but – Obviously, Peterson kind of handed this over on a silver platter. I don't know if it's because in the division they both hate the Giants or what it is, but either way, Washington, I look forward to them uh, being going into the playoffs next week. Who knows? Maybe Washington paid off Peterson to throw the game, too. Obviously, we don't want to state that anyone is maintaining bribery schemes, but obviously, no, I don't think anyone in the media, besides anyone inside those the walls, obviously, Obviously, in Philadelphia, they actually know what the heck was going on. I know the direct quote was something along the lines of he did the best he could for this team to win in the future, I think is what he said, or moving forward in the future or something like that. Um, so I don't know if he was looking at the broad spectrum of things like, hey, we really have nothing to win for in this game, so we're going to do what we can to, to make next season a better option. That's the only logic I can put behind it. But then, like you said, you know, why do you even start Hurts to begin with if you're, lo- if you're looking to see what Sitfelds can actually do? Like... Unless you didn't get enough film on Hertz to decide whether you're not, whether you're going to go away from Wentz next year, I, which again I don't see how Wentz has played this year, or even how he handled being benched, uh, can be an option moving forward. So it doesn't make any sense to me. But that's neither here nor there. You and I don't think he should be a coach next year. So we'll see how they handle it. Yep, he might get a leash for another year, but yeah, I don't think he's earned it. So I mean, you got the Super Bowl title, but yeah. It's kind of like the same thing that I had an issue with McCarthy. It's like, congratulations, you got us a Super Bowl. That was a decade ago. Where the heck are you? Like, this is getting terrible. Like, this is bad. 
Like you reach a point when your approach needs to be improved on. I mean, the NFL is always changing. It's always growing and adapting. I mean, you've seen how you've, how the NFL's transitioned over the last few years in drafting more mobile quarterbacks as opposed to the stationary, you know, pocket throwers like traditionally we're used to seeing. So either way, I think this might be an opportunity with, you know, Hertz being the potential option here, getting out of that Lent situation and moving forward. This would be a good year with this draft selection. Obviously, they're, they're drafting sixth overall, so they essentially have a handpick minus the, the quarterback situation, which they obviously have solidified with Hertz. So I don't know. I, it's it's something that they definitely need to uh, look into for sure. Mm. Let's get moved over to the game of the week. Uh, so what do you got? I'm I'm sorry to talk it up, bud, but it's going to be that Texans Titans game. The average NFL consumer just wanting to tune in and kind of kill away the afternoon on Sunday. They really enjoyed this. This was one of the games that was uh, obviously premiered out here on the West Coast where I'm at. And I'm going to be honest, I thoroughly enjoyed the end there. Like, we always joke about, like, those ridiculous scenarios where a combat could be necessary, and very rarely does it actually occur. Obviously, the Dolphins did it several times this week, which was unorthodox in my opinion, but it was just a joy watching these two kind of uh, throw haymakers at each other in the last two minutes of that game. How about you? Yeah, if you if you liked a game with no defense, that was definitely a good one. <laughs> uh, I enjoyed <enjoy> offense. <laughs> I guess you could say that Raiders and... Bunkle's game was probably a good one. You had a little bit of everything in that game. Obviously, the Giants and the Cowboys, that game had a lot of implications. It was a close game as well. But my real game of the week was the Dolphins and the Bills. Because you got to see the Bills just go out and dominate. They exposed the Dolphins. Dolphins aren't their number one defense in points given up anymore, obviously, because they gave up 56. But... Mm-hmm. Tua, Tua was exposed for the sham that he is. It was good to see. And even the Bills' defense, I mean, they've been playing above par for the season. But they've been playing really well on the stretch as well, so I can see that one. Another one that was surprising for me was that Vikings-Lions game, getting able to watch you know, Cousins come out and sling and being able to watch Stafford and what could be his last game. We don't know, obviously, but it was good watching that NFC matchup as well. Yes, sir. Um, but overall, pretty good week 17. Uh, week 17 is my favorite week. I've obviously discussed that going into the preview. It's always good games to watch. So, yep. uh, But we will be recording again on Thursday. And new, uh, the next episode will be out at some point on Friday. We go talking about the playoff matchups that will be coming up for this week for a wild card weekend. Woo. Uh, but once again, thank you guys for joining us. This was the Two Point Podcast with Nate and Craig. We appreciate you tuning in to us, and hopefully you'll join us in the future as well. Stay safe, guys. We appreciate you.